Adultery is rampant in our society, and it's not just physical, it's also emotional and spiritual. Here's Pastor David with part two of his powerful teaching about adultery. Adultery is wrong. All sex outside of a committed lifelong marriage between one man and one woman is wrong. Scripture could not be more clear about it, no matter how much people want to try to twist it and do whatever so they can keep turning upside down with the world and taking the light that we are to the world and darkening it so that we can get along, so that we can avoid confrontation, so that we can, so that we can be one of, the, one of the fellas. We're not one of the fellas. Loving the world is enmity with God. Choose. Choose. I don't mean loving the people in the world. We ought to do that. But going after the things and letting what Jesus has clearly told us to do be thrown aside so that we can commit adultery and approve of those who do, because misery loves company after all, will destroy our witness. And I want to see people saved. I want to see people come to know Jesus Christ. If we darken the light that we are to the world... They're not going to be coming here for it. If I told you something different, I'd be lying to you. And I won't do that. Lord willing, I won't lie to you. Would it be easier to just go along? In the short term, it would be. And it looks like a lot of people are making that choice. I'm not calling out any individual Christians or any individual pastors or whatever. I'm not about that. We won't do that. We won't do that. Not because we don't love people, but because we do love people. Not because we're bigots, but because we're full of love for people. Do you think that Jesus said the things he said because he was a bigot and hateful? That's why he died on the cross for us? No. It's because he loves us. And we'll speak the truth because we love you. Now, there's also really good news. Because contrary to what culture is telling you, and this is great for you young folks and people who are single, guess what? Sex isn't everything. Sex isn't everything. Romance isn't everything. Kissing in the rain, running in slow motion to one another (laughs) is not everything. (laughs) Marriage isn't everything. If it becomes everything, it's gotten in the wrong spot. You can actually, I know this is crazy, you can actually be happy, blessed, peaceful and joyful without thinking about sex all the time. We need to take the commands of Jesus Christ seriously. There's a lot more to life than sex. Jesus is being very serious here. Adultery begins in the heart and we need to guard our hearts. Do not destroy your spouse. Do not destroy your future spouse. Do not destroy yourself through adultery. Don't do it. Since we're talking about marriage for a second, I'm going to talk about a use, a way we use the word marriage, especially a way we use the word marriage when things aren't going well, when things are going bad. People say things to me because I'm a pastor. People come up to me when they're having issues with their marriage. I'm having issues with my marriage, they'll say. They say things like, my marriage is cold. My marriage is tedious. My marriage is not exciting enough. But what they really mean 
is my spouse's cold. My spouse is tedious. My spouse is not exciting enough. That's what they really mean. How do I know that's what they really mean? Because I'm a lawyer. Let me explain. I've dealt with a lot of contracts. With a lot of clients who, are, who had contracts. Um, and contracts are essentially just a set of promises between people. That's what contracts are. I promise to pay you such and such amount of money if you will come and build my shelving unit. That's a contract. When clients come to me upset about a contract, they are almost never complaining about the contract itself. They are complaining about the person on the other side of the contract. That's what they're doing. She did a bad job with that shelving unit. He didn't pay me what he said he'd pay me. It's not about the contract. It's about the actions of the other person. Okay? People don't say, oh, we're really having a struggle. We're really, we have a bad contract. We have a rough contract. My contract is bad. They say, that person over there, that dude, messed up. That's what they say. It's not the promises they made to each other that they're complaining about. It's the other person. It's the same way people are with their marriages. Someone saying, I have a bad marriage, usually means in their heart, I have a bad spouse. That's what they're saying. Because here's the thing. Marriage is ordained by God. It is a covenant relationship. It has been part of God's good creation since before the fall of man. Before sin, God instituted and ordained marriage. So it is not your marriage that is troubled. It's you and possibly your spouse, but probably you. Just so we're clear, marriages don't fail. That language, we shouldn't be using it. Marriages don't fail. People fail. People sin. And they break their covenant, and they break promises, and they break the vows of their marriage. That's what happens. Your marriage is good, for those of you who are married. Your marriage is a covenant relationship ordained by God from the beginning. Matthew 19, 3 through 6. The Pharisees also came to him, testing him and saying to him, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? And he answered and said to them, Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female? And said, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore what God has joined together, let man not separate. So it is not your marriage that is troubled. It's you and your spouse that are troubled. It is you and your spouse who are not loving and honoring and cherishing each other. It is you and your spouse that are allowing selfishness to cause dissatisfaction. It is you and your spouse who are choosing work over one another. It is you and your spouse who are choosing alcohol over one another, or shopping over one another, or eating over one another, or sleep over one another, or video games, young men, over one another, or your children over one another, or adultery over one another. Now, why is it important to me that we change our language about marriage? Because when we say our marriage has problems or our marriage isn't working out, we're missing the real point. We have sin. We are being selfish. We are being unforgiving. We are being unloving. We are being disrespectful. We are being adulterous. Don't tell me your marriage didn't work out. Be honest. One or both of you broke your vows and broke the covenant of marriage because of your sin. That's the reality. 
Your marriage wasn't the problem. You and or your spouse was the problem. And some of you might be thinking, this is just semantics. This is just wordplay. You know, when we say uh, we're talking about our marriage, we're talking about the relationship. It's the relationship that has problems. No, it's not semantics. Your relationship is you. It's you. You and this other person. You and this other person in marriage, it should be you and the other person bound together with vows made to God and with him. Now, I know it's not God who messed up. That's the one I'm sure about in this equation. It's not him that's to blame. That leaves two. Two people. Doesn't leave, it's not the marriage. It's not the relationship. It's you. And I want to move away from treating marriage like it's this thing out there that may go good or may go bad. Like it's this thing, oh, well, there's our marriage. I hope it works out. When we talk about it like that, like that, we separate it from ourselves and our own sin. Marriage is a good thing. It's never the marriage that's bad. The more we think in these terms, the more we're separating ourselves from our marriages. The more we take responsibility for our own sin, and the more we look to Jesus for grace and healing the better we're going to be. The better you're going to be, the better your spouse is going to be, and the better it's going to be to be in a marriage. Now, that may be kind of a side note for some of you or whatever, but it really is important the words we use because they, they tend to get into our heads and our hearts and sort of dictate the way we think. We are responsible. We are responsible for how we treat our spouse. We are responsible for how we treat everybody. We are responsible if you are looking with your eye at a woman that is not your wife and thinking sexually about her, you are an adulterer. If you, ladies, are looking at another man and or fantasizing about how it would be great to be with this guy or with that guy, maybe it's not even a sexual thing. Maybe it's just an emotional thing. It's just an emotional affair. Yeah, it's adultery. When you start thinking, maybe this isn't the right one for me. Maybe I'd be better off over here. Maybe the grass is greener over there. That's where adultery starts to plant a seed in your heart. But it's important to all of us, whether you're married or not. Some of you are in here today, you're not married. It's important to you too. You know why? Because as a believer, as we discussed earlier, you're married to Jesus. You're married. We learned that we are the bride of Christ. We belong to Jesus. And just as adultery against our husband or our wife begins in the heart, adultery against the Lord begins in the heart. And just as a solution to adultery with your spouse is to gouge at your eye and cut off your hand, that's the same thing. The solution to adultery against God is the same. Now, let me be clear, because I don't want to get a bunch of people coming in next week. Like, took care of it, Pastor. Great sermon, great sermon. I mean, just really got to me. Right here. No, listen, don't do that. Don't do that. That's not what he's talking about. He's not asking you to actually gouge your eye out and cut your hand off. He's saying, kill the sin. Kill it. Leave no place for it. Find it and kill it. We need to know ourselves. You need to know yourself. You need to know where you're tempted to put other things before Jesus Christ. We need to know where 
We are looking for our value in places other than Jesus Christ. You need to ask yourself, why am I doing these things? Why did I post this thing on social media? Why did I say that thing to my coworker? Why did I pretend that I knew that thing that I didn't really know? Why did I, and then just fill in the blank, why did I dress this way today? What am I trying to do? Am I trying to gain something from other people because I don't feel valuable enough in myself because I'm not getting my value from Jesus Christ? Is that what I'm doing? Because that's adultery. If your spouse goes out dressed provocatively, male or female, and goes out and it's very clear that what they're looking for is the looks and attentions of people from the opposite sex, you would not think that that person was being faithful to you. If you will not find your value and your affection and your love in Christ first and foremost, you are not being faithful to him. It's adultery. Why do you think adultery against your spouse happens? Because we start looking for that greener grass, like I said. We begin to get dissatisfied and all hell breaks loose, literally. The same thing can happen with you and God. Same thing. You can begin to become dissatisfied with your life. You can begin to feel that you are not hearing from God or you're not feeling it. You can begin to desire things that are outside the commands of Jesus Christ. You can begin to wander, and that wandering starts in your heart. And before you know it, you're cheating on the Lord. What a disgusting thing that we do to commit adultery against the one that saved us. There's only one that we can truly trust completely, Jesus Christ. There's only one who was completely innocent and yet gave his life for us, Jesus Christ. There's only one who fixed our brokenness and loved us and died for us while we were yet sinners, Jesus Christ. And yet we wander. And yet we seek approval from people when Jesus is both telling us and proving to us through his cross and the empty tomb that he loves us completely, unconditionally, and unstoppably. He loves us. Jesus loves us. He forgives us. And yet we wander. Guard your heart. Guard your hearts. Why do we do these things? Let me tell you. Because we let fears creep in. This is for somebody today, I'm sure. For me first and then for some of you. We have fears that we will not feel loved enough. We have fears that we will not feel valuable, valued enough. We have fears that we will not feel joyful enough. We have fears that we will not have peace or that we won't have security or that we will be rejected or that we will suffer and not have help. We have fears of these things. And with each of these fears, our hearts become vulnerable to wandering. Our hearts become vulnerable to lusting after that which God has already promised that we will have fully in the Father's only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. But we don't need to have these fears. That's the good news for today. We don't need to have anxieties. Listen to what the Holy Spirit inspired Paul and Timothy to write to the church at Philippi. This is Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, the shalom, 
that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Be anxious for nothing. Do not fear. Do not let your fear lead to lusting after a replacement for your Savior and King. How many times in the Old Testament do we see Israel going off? And what does God call Israel? An adulterer. You're getting it on with every idol under every green tree. You've left the one who loves you. Don't let fear make you do that. Pray, be thankful, ask God for what you need, and you will have peace that will surpass your understanding. Remember I said we don't always understand, we don't always see why God has told us to do certain things, why his commands are there. Okay, fine. You don't understand, but you can have a peace, a shalom that surpasses all understanding. Pray. Beg God with thanksgiving in your heart, and you will have peace. And God will give you an amazing faith and trust in him so that you don't wander. And that peace will guard your heart and mind. It will guard your heart and mind. Where does adultery start? In the heart. Where does murder start? In the heart. Where are these sins starting? In the heart. God promises us here that he will guard our heart and mind. And that means we'll have an amazing faith and trust in him. And we won't commit adultery against our precious Savior. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Trust him. Trust him, and you won't be looking to other things to replace him. You won't be looking for a functional Savior to replace your true Savior. If you've been convicted by the Holy Spirit today, simple. Confess your sin to God and repent. 1 John 1.9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He will forgive you. He has forgiven me. He has already paid the price. Walk no longer in adultery and sexual immorality against your spouse, against your future spouse, against yourself, and most of all, walk no longer in adultery against Christ. Be forgiven, be cleansed, and have God create a clean heart and renew a right spirit in you. peace, hope, and forgiveness in Christ. And not just for adultery, for everything and anything that gets in the way of the relationship with God that we were created for. And if you need that in your own life, we'd love to help. We don't want your money or anything else. We want you to know the joy of life in Jesus. Call us at 360-885-9000. Everything can change. 360-885-9000. Glad to have you with us today, and I hope you'll check out the next episode for more with Pastor David Robinson here on Contemplate.